Yeah, we continue talking Suns off-season, which already got off to a big start over the weekend with the Bradley Beal trade. But who better to talk about this with than the one and only Kellen Olson, our uh, Suns guru from ArizonaSports.com, who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, good morning. How are you, sir? Oh, shucks. Making me blush to start off today. I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing good. Uh, obviously, we've been hitting this uh, this topic very hard for the last couple of days. And, um, you know, there's so many tentacles off this story, the trade and how you look at it from, from the teams uh, involved. But also, you know, the reaction of Chris Paul, who just happens to be traded during a, a book tour. And we've been circling around this for a couple of days now. Chris Paul's inclusion of Isaiah Thomas Kellen in... in yeah, insinuating the decision-making power and, and the people who do it for the Phoenix Suns. What did you make of all of that? Uh, one, he, he knew what he was doing, right? I think we can all agree that Chris Paul is, is an extremely smart guy, and whenever something like that is said multiple times, it's, it's done intentionally. Now, I, I can see why players would believe that Isaiah Thomas has Matt Ishbia's ear because he's talking into Matt Ishbia's ear a, a lot from what we see, right? He's around oh, yeah. Matt Ishbia a, a whole lot. So I think that that is a fact that comes down to it as well. And if you're looking at it from a perspective of why this is a news story, why does it matter if he's an advisor or someone who talks to Matt Ishbia from time to time and runs things by him? Well, his his run with the Knicks was a train wreck and is looked at as, in history as one of the worst, if not the worst GM tenure in the history of the NBA. So that, that that's for one, but for two, it hasn't really mattered at this point, right? Because I, I think it's one of those things that starts to become convenient once a move gets made that is um, one that you would look at unfavorably, right? Like we look at everything that they've done so far since the issue has got here. That's the Kevin Durant trade. That's this trade. They've been two no brainers so far for sure. So it, it's one of those things where it comes with, cherry-picking the situation, but certainly, uh, Dan, something we talked about when the Ishbia thing happened is, is this going to change James Jones? Is this going to change who exactly is in charge? And Chris insinuating that certainly uh, livens up that conversation again, doesn't it? Yeah, no doubt about that. So, um, and yet and yet, at the end of the day, these these moves, I'm, I'm endorsing them, and, and both of you guys love this young Jordan Goodwin who I want to ask you about. So the end result, I'm not arguing with anything. So let, let's back up because you're so good at, at the integration of basketball and how this works on a court. How does Bradley Beal plus Kevin Durant plus Devin Booker work out? How does this thing get the Suns to where they want to be? Well, from an individual perspective, I think you're looking at three skill sets that no other team in the league has right now. Just the collection of total offense that the three of these guys have, because I think Bradley Beal is going to come in here and he's going to get labeled as a scorer, which is true, or some people are going to look at him and say, yeah, he's, he's a great shooter and, and things like this. Like he is a complete overall offensive player. And I think that there are certain strengths that he has compared to other parts of the court, just like anyone else in the league. But I think that the number one thing for him is just going to be rim pressure. When Kevin Durant came in, it was so great for the Suns, of course, to have a secondary, not a secondary option by any means, but another option to take some of the load off for Devin Booker. But with that being said, Durant comes in. He's not a guy that operates within five feet of the basket much anymore at this stage of his career. It doesn't generate a ton of rim pressure. That's what Bradley Beal wants to do. He wants to navigate around screens, and he wants to get going downhill and get towards the rim. That's going to be a huge, huge relief just for the offense as a whole. But then you look at how these guys are matched up against, and I think most teams are lucky to have one defender they feel confident putting on a Devin Booker or Bradley Beal type. Now teams are going to have to have two, and I know that the defensive end is a concern, and I know that who exactly is running the offense, if they're going to have a point guard is a concern for some people. But think about the other point guard defending 
one of these guys. Like, if they come up against Denver, can, KCP was a great matchup for Book. Jamal Murray's going to have to guard Bradley Beal now. Yeah. And teams are just going to have to deal with this problem all year long and figure out exactly how they want to scheme it. Because traditionally, when you're put in a position where Jamal Murray has to go to Bradley Beal, you give him help. But guess what? Now Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are the guy that's a pass away where the helper is supposed to come from. What do you do now? Like They're going to be putting teams in these positions all year long from an offense perspective. The main question is defense where, man, it sure helps to have Frank Mogul for a team like this. That's for sure. Kellen Olson joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. When the deal was, uh, you know, announced on on Sunday or reported on Sunday, I basically had three levels of reaction. The first level was, "Oh my God, they got Bradley Beal." The second one was, eh, "Chris Paul's going to Washington. That's kind of sucks for him." And the third one was, "They have to be trading DeAndre Ayton now." At this point, uh, we've been speculating about it for for quite some time. What do the tea leaves tell you the day before the draft in terms of DeAndre Ayton's future in Phoenix? It just seems like from what Gambo was reporting uh, yesterday and, and the day before as well when he, jo- when he joined us on Monday, just exactly what his value is and if the Stones are okay with accepting what his value is. Because I, we can all agree that what we thought of DeAndre Ayton as a player and what we thought of his value even last year, like the Suns aren't going to get anything close to that. I think that for most people, if a DeAndre Ayton trade comes down in the next week or two, the main reaction is going to be, wait, that's it? Like, that's going to be the reaction. But for those of us, like, uh, those who listen to you guys' show every day, people like us who follow this stuff every day, if they get two or three capable rotation players back, we're going to be like, cool, job done, right? But that's kind of what you're looking for in a trade like this, and it's going to be down to the Suns accepting if that is enough or if they're getting enough like that. What if it's just one player and a pick? Like, is is that enough? And I think that it ultimately comes down to one, that, and two, I think – all of this being talked about roster construction is just kind of overlooking how much of a disappointment DeAndre was in the postseason and just how I can't see how they're, after they're willing to gamble on Kevin Durant, which they should have been, how they're willing to gamble on Bradley Beal, which they should have. I don't see how they should be willing to gamble on DeAndre because that's what it should be looked at if they bring him back next year because if they do, he's going to be a core integral part of their team and they're going to need him to be consistent every round of the playoffs. Or they're going to get eliminated if he's not. We saw how easily it happened. We saw how long mm-hmm. it took them and how tough it was going to be against the Clippers with him playing like this and the same against the Nuggets. Like, it's just, it puts them in a compromising position if they're going to rely on him. And I think that they should look to move him regardless of the situation. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I was told the same that internally they're done with him. It, it would be very hard for this team to bring him back in and because there's just no trust that he'll compete at the level that the other guys are competing in the playoffs. And, and that, from what I've told, is a significant issue. So, um, what else do we need to talk about with this basketball team? Jordan Goodwin, you like this kid. Vinny likes this kid. I don't know much about him. Tell me what you think about him. I really like his game, and to kind of transition from the DeAndre point, one more thing on DeAndre is we know, just like anyone with his talent and skill, to be honest, he's going to want to be involved in the offensive fair, but you're going to need to surround this team now with guys who are okay with not being involved in the offense at all. And, and that's where Jordan Goodwin comes in and is a guy who's a really smart cutter, a really active player off the ball, and a guy who has been an okay shooter when he's been left open. I think that as a shooter more, he's in that Josh Akogi range, and he's someone who compares to Josh Akogi. And I know some people might be trepidatious hearing that after the way that the postseason went for Akogi, but think about the way that he played in the regular season, the level of contributor that he was. A co- or Goodwin's just coming off his first real 
NBA season, he's just a really tenacious, active, persistent defender. Like, he gets his hands on everything. He can guard multiple positions. He's the guy willing to do the dirty work, make the smart rotations off the ball, pester a guy when he's running around screens. He's that type of defensive guy, and and that's what they're going to need for Vogel specifically. They're going to need to find versatile, capable defenders to put around these three guys so Vogel can execute what he wants to defensively. And that's what you get with him. That's what you get if you bring back Ish Wainwright. That's what you get if you bring back Josh Okogie, Torrey Craig. You can start to see everything start to formulate together. And I think you guys can agree with me. It was really important for them, if possible, in this Beal trade to include another pick or a player or whatever. And, and Goodwin is really one of the best cases possible because we could easily see him being a part of the rotation next year for sure. Kellen Olsen, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, on the subject of filling out that roster, and you hit on a very important point, filling out this roster with guys who don't have a problem not being involved in the offense. And, and there are candidates back from last year's team, but how do you gauge the interest in veterans from other teams wanting to come to Phoenix to play those roles here? And, and how how difficult of an endeavor will that be with all the restrictions on the Suns you know, financially? It will be difficult, but I think that what you're going to be able to pitch is very unique. And what I mean by that is you can look around at your situation if you're a guy – that's a free agent right now and looking at like, okay, this seems offering me the tax term mid-level exception or the biennial exception for $5 million. Or I could take half of that and go to Phoenix for a year where I know I'm going to play because there are going to be guys in situations where they could go and be the seventh, eighth, ninth, most important guy on a contender, or they could come here to Phoenix where they could start potentially. And I think there's going to be a point guard or a wing or a big who's going to be looking at their position and say, Phoenix is the best spot for me just strictly based on playing time and opportunity. And also the fact that it's a great franchise to play for, one of the premier franchises in the league right now, where I can go contend and win for a championship and be surrounded by three all-world players. I think there's a ton of appeal for veterans minimum, Sky, but at the end of the day, you can get stuck in that conversation a lot and just look at what's best for money. Like we all saw what Bruce Brown said, right? Like money's not everything to him, he's going to stay. And and I'm taking the man for his word for sure, but we're still waiting for like that second week of July, right? When he does indeed take $8 million from the Nuggets instead of 12 or 15 from someone else, right? That's a really difficult thing to do. So we'll see exactly how much that matters for the Suns, but in terms of the opportunity that they can offer guys on the veterans minimum, I think it's appealing in some ways for sure. Kellen, thanks as always for joining us, man. And Thank looking you, brother. forward to the uh, draft show tomorrow.